and we're back for another episode of St. James's Pod. This episode, we're going to be discussing our upcoming fixture at home to Aston Villa. I'm joined again by Tom. You're right, man. Good stuff. And Alex. Hi. Can't wait for the weekend. Uh, Pete's missing an action again for this one, but I'm sure he'll be back for the next. So let's jump straight in, boys. Um, we kind of touched on it. Um, I think was it during the the Mar- no the Everton um, review? We were recording it while Stevie Gerrard got started. Um, what, what, we'll just go back over it again. What, what did you guys make of that? I think it had to happen. I think the results, um, were poor and the performances were even poorer. Um, there's been some absolutely turgid games, um, last Villa I've played this season under Gerard and, um, I think the fans were ready to see the back of them as well. Um, obviously with the money that they've spent and the players they've got in, um, it just, looks like he wasn't getting the best out of all the players, all the creative attacking players. He just wasn't getting the best out of any of them. And I think they needed a change. Um, so I was not su- surprised at all to see um, Gerard get given the boot after um, quite a horrendous result. It was 3 not against Fulham, wasn't it? Off the back of. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think he had to go. Yeah, I think his style of football just wasn't working for Villa. I think he, they weren't scoring for one, despite having very capable players in order to do that. Um, but, and defensively, I still think they're very weak defensively. Um, I don't think they've worked on that enough. Um, I, I think the, you know, the, the the fact that they've still got Tyrone Mings still in there like is a is a concern. But well, um, actually young. Yeah. And Ashley Oak, yeah, <laughs> Ashley Oak, yeah. <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> he, he, yeah, exactly. He's, look, he's 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 relying on 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 guys who you know you may have played with in the past in terms of Ashley Young, but um, yeah, he's it, it's just not it's it, it was never going to work for him in that sense, um, and I think he had, he had lost a bit of the. Um, he obviously lost the fans, but pretty um, obviously at the start of the season with their form. And yeah, I think you could tell that some of the players had maybe lost their way as well by by the end. Yeah, by the way, Ashley Young scored an absolute crack out of the other. It was a great strike as well. I. <laughs> um, so I just want to touch on like the fact that when we were looking for our manager post-takeover, obviously... Stevie Gerrard's name came into it. And I think this, for me, was the start of the, the resurgence of this rivalry that's kind of grown between us and Aston Villa. And I don't know how you guys see it, whether it's more the media kind of stirring it up and always linking whoever, like, we're going for with them and then they end up signing players that we were linked with. Or whether you think it's genuine, like 
a bit of bit of rivalry starting between the two fan bases because you do see on Twitter um, a lot of back and forth between between the sides. But I kind of feel like we're linked with almost everyone. So it, it it's not that much of a shock that they end up buying players that we were linked with. What what are you guys making of this this kind of rivalry that's that's in this new era of Newcastle United? I think it goes back a little bit to, um, in terms of our fans' dislike of Villa, goes back to when we first were relegated from the Premier League. Um, mm. You know, back in two thousand and eight, like that was um, a big factor um, for for fans' dislike. Um, the way in which, obviously, we lost on the final day of the season to Villa at Villa, and um, the way their fans treated our fans on that day, you know, they, they mocked us pretty much. The, the like, sob on the time banner. Is, the sob on the time, on, yeah, the Ant and Deck ones, like, there was there was lots oh, of yeah. it, like, I mean, so, yeah, that, and, you know, we, did we, I, I can't quite recall whether or not we got our full own back on them when they got relegated, I know, it, you know, it went down quite nicely with our fans when we seen them get relegated a few years later because they were very much on the slide as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of like actually here present in terms of uh, rivalry, um, they they've spent a lot. We've spent a lot. I think we've um, obviously spent a little bit wiser. They've they've gone. For quite a few high-profile signings, obviously Coutinho being one of them, they've spent um, quite a lot on some other players as well. Um, they've been unlucky with the injuries, though, with Diego Carlos injured instantly and stuff like that. Yeah, that that was unfortunate. In fairness, um, I think they have signed some some good players, though. Amongst that, I think um, Martinez is a been a really solid signing for them in goal. Um, I like Douglas Louise in midfield. I think he's he's been a, a pretty good signing for them in in recent years. Ollie Watkins as well. I like I like him. But at at some point, I think they've maybe signed a, a few. I think that the squad's maybe a bit bloated in terms of age wise, um, and they've signed quite a lot of players, um, a lot of players to. To big contracts and yeah, I, I I don't know. I think they may be looking at us with a bit of envy, and that's maybe caused them to um, react in in this way on social media to 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 us to be, you know, trying to you know stoke the flames of this rivalry, like you say, Sam. Yeah, I think I like I, I agree. Like, I, there's definitely like there's history there. Between the between the fans, and I, but I do believe that um, the media are trying to draw parallels between the two clubs and kind of stirring it up. But to be honest, I don't mind it. I don't mind another rivalry. So happy happy days for us. Um, before we come on to another slight parallel between the two clubs, I just want to touch on their last result, um, which I, I know we've we've all seen. It was a a fantastic result for them. Um, Alex, I'll come to you on, on this specific result. Um, it was 4-0 against Brentford. How much can we can we take out of this game? Because 
for me, Brentford look poor. You've also got the fact that they've just sacked the manager and they've kind of got that old manager's gone bounce because <laughs> the new manager's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, what What did you think when you watched that game? Yeah, I've seen all the highlights on Match of the Day and that and they came out the blocks like ridiculously quick. I think it was 3-0 after 14, 15 minutes or so. Um, yeah. You can tell they've just got this new freedom, I guess. This new attacking freedom, which maybe they, they didn't have under Gerard, where the attacking players like like Leon Bailey, who's came in with a, a lot of um, high expectations from the Bundesliga and um, hasn't really set, set the world alight, but yeah, I think he had a fantastic game. He was just causing so much bother down that left wing. He, he, he created, I think he created um, his first goal and scored himself and he just looked like a mess the full game. Um, but the, the just looked so much better and obviously defensively kept a clean sheet as well. Um, so I, I, I thought they looked really good. But um, linking it to our game, you just don't know how that's going to meet up because... With the new manager coming in, you don't know how they're, they're going to set up against us, whether they got set up in the same way, with the same personnel, um, even though he's, he's not in yet. Um, I'd imagine it'll still be his team selection going into the game on Saturday. Yeah, he's going to have a big input, isn't he? Um, would you agree, Tom, that uh, Brentford were poor rather than Villa being fantastic? Or do you think that Bit of both. I think I think it's a bit of both. I think Brentford, uh, as they shown away from home against us, they were so poor away from home against us defensively. Like we obviously ran a mock and scored five against them. Um, I, I just don't think they set up well in yeah. in those games away from home. So yeah, Villa obviously took full um, capitalization against that. Um, in terms of yeah, Emery being able to put his stamp on the game um, fully, I think it may be a little bit too soon for him to fully, you know, put that stamp on things. But he, he may have a an idea as to you know suggestions on on team selection. But um, yeah, like like Alex said, I think he in the in that game. Leon Bailey was was by far open to you know his best of his ability, which we've we've rarely seen since he's he signed for Villa. So yeah, he's he's one which I'd be wary of going into this um, into this game for sure, um, and that we we can't allow him too much space space down that left. Yeah, and I mean Eddie's going to have seen that, and I'm sure he'll have. Um something set up to try and nullify that but let's uh let's talk about the the new manager then uh you just you just said there it's it's Unai Emery which gives us a a call back to what we were just talking about with this rivalry and this kind of everyone that we seem to look at they look at and they, I've seen it on Twitter already that oh Emery, Emery turned you guys down but he wants to come to Villa and and all this business um what were you, were you surprised to see him come into Villa? Um, yes and no. That's like probably the ceiling of the manager that they could have got in. I think he's he's not quite sort of 
big six. I know he went to Arsenal, but um, he didn't they were fairly poorly there. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say he's like big six caliber. So I think Aston Villa have done really well to get him, to be honest. Um, yeah. With a comparison to um, being linked with a tune. He, I'm sure he said he was interested, but the reason why he turned it down is because Villarreal were in the last stages of the um, Champions League. Champions League. Yeah. So that's the big difference to, to this season, I think. Um, and he's sort of seen this opportunity and obviously Fancy's given it a go. So fair play to Villa for getting him because I, I think he's a great coach and I think he'll I think he'll steady the ship. I think he'll turn them around and I think he'll get them well drilled at the training ground and playing better football at the same time. Um, so I think it's a fantastic appointment for them. Do you think Emery feels now looking at what obviously, uh, in fairness, yeah, last season he was in the position with Villarreal to you know potentially go all the way to the final of the Champions League. It obviously didn't work that way. But do you think he looks back now and sees an opportunity missed where he could have obviously took over with 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 us and 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 potentially replicated similar or if not better than what Eddie has now. Like I, not gonna lie think... when I'll go ahead some problem. Yeah, when we were linked with um Emery Howe and a few other managers, Emery was the one that I wanted over Eddie Howe. Um obviously he managed at a higher level. Um and at the time he he was the, the guy I wanted it. Um but I'm very happy <laughs> that he decided to stay at Villarreal and um, and we got Eddie in and he's just, I don't think anyone else could have got the club so, so tight, tight knit and stuff like that and just playing for each other like on and off the pitch. Um, I don't think anyone could have came in and had that kind of effect on the change room than Eddie Howell has. Um, but yeah. I, I think when, um, when you look back to what happened with Emery in, in Newcastle? I don't know how much of this was was fact, but at the time they were talking about he didn't really like that the owners came out and mentioned that he was coming and all this before it had really been all signed and stuff. Which, to me, his comments about the Champions League as well, I think it's probably... I think he's probably being quite professional when he says that. And there probably is an aspect of he didn't really like the fact that he felt like he was in a position where he, he, he didn't really want to leave a club that was so far in the Champions League. And then our owners come out and say, oh, he's coming to Newcastle United. And then he was like, whoa, hold on. Like, you're making me in a, in a tough position here. So I think that probably played into it a bit. But as, as you say, like, it's worked out so well for us. Um, but I do, I do think he's probably gonna gonna do well at Villa. Um, if you've got the the stats, Dos, we might just take a look at the um, the head to heads between the two clubs or or Villa's recent form, whichever one you've got there. Yeah, well, the head to heads between the clubs is very much the home and away side, so uh, doing doing best um, at their own ground. So the last three times yeah. we went with Villa Park, we lost two 0 and then the last three times at St. James Park, we've um, won 1-0 and drawn 1-1 twice. Um, but Villa's form this season, away from home, has been shocking. They've got two points in six games, and that was um, it was away to Leeds, and they had a 10 men for all the second half. And it was away to North oh, South, yeah. I think, as well. So 
just scraping by with a couple of points away from home. Um, so when it comes to our game this Saturday, I've got full confidence that um, we're going to pile on the misery and despite the new manager, get the three points. I wanted to just, um, I think you, you were alluding to it earlier, um, how much we can trust trust their, their form so far this season, how much we can trust their recent head-to-heads because they've just changed the manager, because they've just got that result at Brentford. Also, it's a, it's a weird one because it's, I think Emery's going to be in the stands rather than actually taking the team. So um, is it going to be the, the same tactics they played against Brentford? Is it going to be new tactics? Are they going to go back to the tactics they had under Gerrard? because they're away from home. I think there's so many variables. One, can we, can we trust any of this page? Can we even look at this for this game? And also, does it make it even harder for Eddie Howe and the guys to to come up with the, the tactics for this game and how to set up? Yeah, it's an interesting point because I think, um, yeah, the guy who came in to steady the ship... Uh, post Gerard, obviously got a great result four 0 Thanks, I think his uh, name is. Um, yeah, he, obviously, who could have expected or known exactly how he would have set up um, that game against Brentford? Um, yeah, it, it would have been hard, hard for Brentford to to even predict that. Um, for yeah, I don't, I don't know how. Eddie's going to even prepare in terms of does he part of it? Yeah, he will have to obviously look at the Brentford game for Villa and see how they to perform there. But then, does he have to consider how um, Emery's last game was um, in, in terms of his previous game for Villarreal um, and how maybe that might impact um, the situation. It's going to be a difficult one, yeah. I, I must admit. Who was that? Who was in charge for the last game? I think it was his, uh, the one of the uh, coaching staff. Um, Danks, I think his name was. Oh, you're welcome. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a long set <laughs> He's got his elbow. I just wanted to say, Lance. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the, the other thing that um, I, I think probably very likely with this, this game as well is that we just put out the same team. Um, we're, we're at home. So he just tells the boys to go for it like we did in the last one. And he, he makes the um, in-game decisions. So I, I think in that, in terms of that, it's going to be interesting to see because it's one thing that we've not been able to do a lot of is is change the game during game due to having a smaller squad, lots of injuries, but also um, we like to play in the same way in terms of like the setup of the formation stuff. So it'll be interesting to see like do we end up swapping any players around? Do we? I can't say it's changing formation during the game or anything like that, but um, and we're also getting the, the benches becoming a little bit stronger, so second half should be needed. Um, you can make changes that way as well. But talking about our our team, I just want to go over some of the key um, XG stats that we've got. So 
Well, when I when I checked this before the record, we were third best goal difference in the league. Which that is astounding. Like how how used are you to seeing our goal difference like in the minuses basically? And obviously that goes hand in hand with the fact that we've had the least goals scored against us. Showing obviously like we've got the best defence in the league this, this season so far. Um, yeah, Eddie Hall said can't defend though. You need to remember that. It's funny though, isn't it? Because that basically shows that um, we're obviously not scoring as, as many as other teams because we've only got the third best goal difference but we've got the best defence. And I think all of us would say when Eddie Hall came in, you have to agree that you were expecting him to be very good at attacking, but we might leak a few goals. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair show. I think some may have made parallels to like entertainers, maybe to a entertainers yeah. era to a degree. Um, but um, I, yeah, because no one can question that he's he's Bournemouth teams in the past were were terrible teams to to watch i think they were they were always you know willing to to go for it and and uh, you know get results um so yeah i think coming into to us in the last year he's 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 took that philosophy and and expanded upon it with obviously better quality players and um yeah but by all means more i would say i'm i'm very much surprised at, at how He's implemented a, a solid defensive strategy, which um, yeah, we we don't look too often in games where we're we're panicking and and making rash decisions decisions at the back, um, which lead to um, to opportunities for the for. The, I mean, there may there may be the odd few, but like not not on the same level that we've had in in recent years for sure. No, definitely. And then I think as well, like the addition of Nick Pope, he's got to take some credit for that as well, because not only if all else goes wrong, is he there to to make great saves, but he's also given that confidence to the the bat. And I think as well, it it comes from the press, doesn't it? So it's it's not just about the defence, it's it's Eddie Howe's style of play and the, the guys are bought into it and... They're, they're really implementing his style of play well. Um, and just uh, to wrap up on this, the, the expected XG is third in the league and we're only 0.1 behind Arsenal, which, I mean, they're, they're absolutely storming it so far this season, so we'll be 0.1 behind them. I mean, the, the reason when you when you look at the stats, like, we're, we're having a hell of a season um, and potentially should be even higher than we are, which is mad considering we're in a Champions League spot. Yeah, well, I'm so, sure I've seen Carragon's guy sports the other day, and he's bringing up stats about, um, it, was, it was like goals conceding and like where the press starts and where the ball's won upfield. And like under Bruce, we were like 20th in the league at these like stats of where the ball's won upfield. And now we're like eighth in some stats. We're, we're top in turnovers high in the field. Um, and it's just a total transformation, and um, from back to front, the press and the, t- the team puts in. 
Um, it is like, it, it can't be understated what a transformation is like. You just mentioned yes. the way we used to play on a Steve Bruce and it actually made me sad. So anyway. <laughs> and we can may not bring that up, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have some uh, predictions for the lineup. I, I kind of said there, one option for Freddie Howe based on um, how hard it's going to be to set up against this team is to just go with the exact same team. But in his last game, he brought in Willock for Murphy. That was away from home. Can you see there being one, many changes, and two, if if he makes changes, who does he who does he swap? I think we've seen by now that Eddie Howe, when he's got a winning team, he doesn't like to change it too much. And um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I thought. Um, Target was going to come back for Dan Byrne, but Byrne's playing so well at the moment, you can't drop him. He's, every time he, he, he plays against a tricky winger, which he does seem to every week, he just manages to pocket them every game. Um, I think I, I think the, that Willock or Joel Linton might be the only spot he, he could change. I think he could. I think pretty much everyone else on the side is undroppable at this point. Um, so I think, yeah, Joe Linton could come back into the centre of midfield and you could you start with um, a sort of a, a Murphy or someone out, out the left, but I would not be surprised to see the same start 11 against Phil on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't think Shelby's quite ready to come back. And even if he, if he was, um, I don't think he works necessarily straight away in the midfield three um i think bruno still has to be that holding guy rather than shelby at this moment in time um willick as we've seen at home quite a few times he, he is fantastic playing off that left side um of, of the midfield three um and yeah joe, joe linton playing playing off the left against spurs didn't do an awful lot wrong. I thought he was he, he was good, um, and yeah, I don't particularly think that Murphy comes in and um, and and re- reclaims that spot right this moment in time on on the basis of how well we played against Spurs. So yeah, um, I I would I would tend to agree that we we keep a fairly similar squad. Do you know what? There's arguments though that. Shelby could come back in, and that could help Bruno push a bit further forward, um, like he was at, um, oh, definitely second half of last season when he was getting yeah, I think goals every other game. I think that's probably like the the longer term plan, but it, I think it, it depends how long they've had to train, like um, like one hundred percent train probably together mm-hmm. in like four games, because we've we've had to change it so far this season. The guys will be used to, to this system. And I think Eddie does like to change things a bit more gradually. However, saying that, I do think that's the long-term plan. So I, I just think it's probably a bit too early yet. But maybe like something like one of the cup games we'll see, uh, well, the Palace Cup game, we might see Shelby sit sit in that position and Bruno might get rested, but one of the other lads goes, goes a bit higher. And then... He integrates it that way. Is that, I think that's what you were getting at, Tom, wasn't it? That it might just be a bit too early. 
Well, yeah, because I, I think Shelby works perfectly in that in that hole um, where Bruno's playing at, at the moment in the centre midfield. I think he's he's got the ability to just sit there and 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 be a bit of a. I don't know quarterback role. Some people talked about just just sitting there spraying the plas- uh, passes around, um, and obviously Bruno's capable of doing that. But I think he is utilised better when he is going forward. Um, but then, if we were to bring Shelby in into that position, Bruno would take one of the wider positions. Joe Linton is then potentially at risk of losing a spot in the team. Or Willock potentially, or and, and Longstaff for that matter. So it, it throws a, a lot of questions um, around who ends up dropping out of the team, and then who then would fill in at the left side of like the attacking three. Because um, nice problem to have. It's a nice problem for sure. Yeah, because they're, they're all players in form, and um, yeah, we're not dropping somebody on the basis of. Um, of, of not playing well, but it 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 does throw up that that conundrum um, potentially um, on on who we who who gets dropped in replacement of Shelby. So just, just picking back up on um, the Matty Target thing, um, I always say like I'm a big fan of of Matt Target. And I do feel a bit sorry for him, um, and I I find as well like. Every time I hear our defensive record get mentioned, it's almost as if he wasn't part of that. Where he was playing at the start of the season, so you know he's got to take some of that credit as well, even though he's not playing at the moment. But some people I've heard say Dan Byrne gets in because of his height and his physicality, and he's he's better for corners, attacking corners. Some people have got a theory that. Um, I think Dawes actually, you, you said originally, like, he basically got in because Target was um, ill or whatever. He wasn't fit enough to play. And then he's mm-hmm. he just played too well to be dropped, which I do agree with that. Um, another another thing people talk about is it's his leadership and his, his passion for Newcastle United. He's more of, more of a captain than Matt Target probably is. And I think Eddie likes to have as many captains on the pitch as he can. But one... One thing, um, one theory I've got is that Dan Byrne, when you look at Dan Byrne as a centre-back, he's definitely a, a ball-playing centre-back. He's probably not quite as good as Botman and, and Shea, but he, he is good as a ball-playing centre-back. So you move him out to the left-back, you've now got two ball-playing centre-backs. You've got Trippier on the right and you've got Dan Byrne on the left. So you've basically got all four of the back floor. All four of the back four <laughs> um, playing it out from the back well. And I'm not saying like Matt Tower can't do that, but he's, it, I'd say Burns got the edge on him. And I, I think that's really how Eddie Howe wants to play. So I definitely, I mean, that's my theory, but I think it's probably a, a combination of, of maybe quite a few of them. But it, it does start to make me think that um, Tower's going to find it hard to get back in. And Throwing it back to something, uh, I think it was you, Tom, who said um, about his partnership with Maxi. It, it could take Maxi coming back in to see Target get back into the team. Yeah, I think the, the balance, and I've, I've, I've talked about it a few weeks now around the, 
the having a, an even balance of attacking down both sides and clearly on the right side we're seeing a massive amount of goals and opportunities coming from Trippier Almiron it's it's clear as day that you know that's that's where opposition teams need to stop us at the moment on the left side seems to be pretty non-existent right now and obviously that might play into the fact that um Maxi's not been in the squad in the last few games um but obviously Byrne isn't necessarily busting the gut to um to make moves up the left side and and provide opportunities um he's very much sitting back making sure that we're defensively solid so um yeah there is going to be that kind of turning point where does um Eddie have to flip the script and and say right we need to be a little less obvious for opposition um for the opposition to to see that we actually can provide opportunities from from both sides rather than just be over reliant on on one one side of the field to to get to get the chances on goal um so yeah it i think he he will have to uh, roll the dice soon on whether or not when Maxi's properly fit to to make the team, does he also then um, take take Burn out and 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 give Target the uh, the opportunity to to come back into it as well? So yeah, I think I think it does work in hand. The fact that Maxi being out is also meant that Burn has had an extended period in in the first team. I think. Um... Just throwing back to something I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, um, we when you're talking about the right hand side there, uh, you, we definitely seem to do this this thing where Trippier pushes up and it almost becomes like a back three because we've got the the three big lads there. But how much better will that work? Because it's obviously a bit lopsided when you do that. But if you've got someone like Maxi who's so unpredictable and We've seen it in the past, he gets two men put on him to try and nullify him. If we go, if Trippier's bombing up the right and we go to sort of like a back three, and then you've still got the wild card of Maxi on the left, it's going to pull defenders out to him. Attacking-wise, that could be an incredibly good option. So even then, Target might struggle again. Um, Just moving on from that, I, I, I want to... Touch briefly, we're talking about the right-hand side now, but it is obviously Almiron's on absolute fire. Um, it's got to be best season of his career, even past his uh, MLS days. But how much of that do you guys put down to Eddie Howe? How much do you put that down to Miggy? And then also the players around them, because I don't think it's any surprise that we're seeing as rising form now that Kieran Trippier has in the team every week. I think it's a mix between all three. Um, like clearly, Eddie Howe's getting the best out of him. Like under Steve Bruce, you could tell there was always a player in there, but sometimes he was running around like a headless chicken, and like yeah, like you just you could tell he was putting the work in. But like in the attacking third. He just, it's almost like he didn't know what to do. It's almost like he wasn't being coached. Because um, <laughs> I think quite possibly he wasn't. Um, but 
I think you've got to give credit to the player as well. Like he's constantly put the work work in. He's been probably slated by the fans um, for not having any end product, and now he's he's a new player. He's a he's a player reborn, and it's it's the player who we were almost promised when we bought, broke the transfer record to buy him. Um, yeah, oh, it's it's great to see though. It's it's. There's nothing that makes us happier than seeing that smile on his face. Yeah, that's the best thing for me. Like, you want to see players playing for the tune, happy and just, you know, you know, just giving everything that they can to the cause. Like, there's nothing better as a fan seeing that. And I think everybody wants to get behind Miggy when they, when they see him, you know, playing as well as he is and just... Yeah, getting the opportunities he is and scoring and just yeah, the smile, everything. It's just how how can you not be happy as a fan? I think we've we've invested a lot in him, um, you know, through the through the times where he's had difficulties, um, and yeah, we've you know, as a majority, I think always backed him, and I think we're as a, as a fan base, we're starting to yeah get the the rewards of that from some excellent performances of late. 100%. So the question is, is that form for Miggy and the form for the team going to carry on into this game? So I'm going to ask you a few predictions now. We'll just go for a, a score prediction. Um, I'm going to cheat and go last. Seeing as you've had a few pints, Paige, we'll come to you first, see if you can up the optimism. Final. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, well, now you're saying it. Um, no, I'll, I'll I'll be reasonable enough to say that I think we're 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 still capable of getting the win, but I think a three-one is is what I'm going to go for. Okay, Alex. Um, I'm going with what I did against Everton, and I think it was proved right as well. I, I think it'll be a, a one or two nil. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm not going to specify you which. Were gonna, I knew you were going to get that in in a show later. I see this. I forgot to mention it in that. Episode. Uh, well, I didn't um, <laughs> predict a winner um, at the top. Not specifically in mind, but um, yeah, I, I think I think we'll keep it tight again. Like you never know what you're going to get like on Saturday. Like you don't know what formation they're going to play. You don't know the personnel that they're going to be playing. It's just such an unknown, but. I think we've been playing so well defensively that I could see it being another clean sheet. And um, yeah, I'll give it a, a, a 2 0 win. Uh, see, I was going to say 2 0 as well. Um, same reasons, to be honest. I, I think I fancy us for a clean sheet. Um, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not massively confident we're going to we're going to score a hat full of goals. Could easily be a one 0 but. I, I fancy a 2-0. I think, I think Wilson's going to bag one. I think he's proper, like, chomping up a bit for, for England. He's in a bit of form now that he's scored in the last game. Uh, hopefully, he's passed that drought. So, yeah, I can see him bagging so that at least 1-0 and then, yeah, we'll get we'll get another. I'm still I'm still putting money on Botman to get a header at mm-hmm. some point. So, um, yeah, confident lads going into this one. Um, do you guys know um, about the the teams around us who the, who they're playing this week? 
Um, Can I have a quick quick check before we leave? I think in terms of Liverpool, I yeah. they're not directly around us, but they're against Leeds. But yeah, they, um, are, they are breathing down on X a little bit now, aren't they? Manu West Ham also not an easy yeah. game for them. Brighton, yeah. West Chelsea, also not an easy game. Spurs away at Bournemouth. Spurs, <sighs> obviously patchy form, but Bournemouth. Um, Chelsea away to Brighton. I think Solanke might be injured as well. Game. Yeah, yeah, I think Spurs may may be able to get a result away. Spurs, uh, Bournemouth even. As long as they don't um, get a 95th minute winner ruled out or something like they did last night <laughs> against Bournemouth. So that's it then, guys. We're predicting another win for Newcastle United. Are you, um, are you at the game, Dos? I am, yeah. I'll be, I'll be in the corner. As always. I, I can't wait. Naughty corner. Aye. <laughs> every, every time we've got a game coming up, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for it now. I can't wait. Did uh, just just briefly? Did you see the the talk from Darren Eels about the um, like pre-game, post-game sort of setups they might do for like match days and stuff, where they're gonna have like a? I think they did it at the rugby, didn't they, down at the Keyside? But he, he was talking about um, yeah, these like match day sort of event things could be quite interesting, couldn't it? Like I don't know how much it would affect. The likes of the strawberry and shears well and stuff like around the stadium, but interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't actually hear what he said, but um, I worked on the case side and I seen all the stuff they had for the rugby league, and I looked. It looked decent, like um, so like a uh, fan zone type thing. Yeah, right? it was like a fan zone, like right, right on the front eye in front of the law courts. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to any ideas that they're bringing in. To be honest. Um, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. Um Go on, Paige. <laughs> like Paige, that's one of your karaoke songs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think I think it's it's obviously great to see that we're well, you know, um, exploring options um for, for the other sports that, that get played at St James's but um at the same time don't take away too much from what is already there. Um I think, you know, even in recent times when we've not been under this regime, uh, our fans can still create such a great atmosphere at St James's despite um, everything. So I think, um, yeah, I don't want us to... come in maybe next season, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that, could, that could be, you know, helpful, especially in certain areas of the ground. I'm sure you guys in the Gallagher corner would um, would would welcome the standing zones um, for sure. Um, it would, yeah, it would I'd be surprised if it wasn't um, implemented in the corner first. Uh, I, I think out of the full stadium, I think if they've got a trial at anywhere, I'd imagine that's where it'll be. Yeah. What, what yeah. do people like Pete do in that situation though? Oh, he's got a ball right in front of his eyes, isn't he? He won't be able to see out. <laughs> Get them a boost, Sorry, he? didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll get me back on the next one, anyway. So anyone he can't defend himself, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's leave that there before we uh, get into him too much. Right, lads, thanks for joining us. Um, 
I don't know what the next episode's going to be, so I'm not going to try and see it. But we'll see you then. Well, yeah.